Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, February the 8th, and I'm no longer sick, at least as of now, and uh, we're going to run, we're going to take that by the, the horns and run with it. Um, want to th- uh, want to start by saying a big thank you to Justin Ferber for uh, filling in for me Monday night and doing all the the fun stuff that comes with uh, with going to a game and covering it. Uh, he was um, awesome in the clutch, and um, there was no way I was going to be there, so I really appreciate it. Speaking of Justin Ferber, who is up in Arlington, and he is back on the podcast. Welcome back, my friend. Yo, uh, glad to be back at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner, great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional uh, witty banter. So, yes, I, I do want to give one more public attaboy to, to Justin for, for being there for me uh, Monday night. Uh, Dave is not with us tonight. Something about something something meeting with somebody, something, I don't know. Um, I may have half read the text because I was already mad at him for skipping out on the podcast. So he'll be back next week. Ferber and I are going to talk uh, UVA basketball this week. We, uh, we obviously went really deep and, and heavy last, uh, last week on uh, signing day and um, what I think was a pretty frank discussion uh, about where things are with the class. And I kind of want to address – or I don't want to say address. I kind of want to have something of a similar mentality tonight as we talk about the basketball team. Because even though I was uh, way, way too sick to be writing a, a weekend rap um, Tuesday morning, um, well, Monday morning or Tuesday morning, um, I, this was something that was I was struck by as I watched uh, the Syracuse game. I really believe, and this is where I want to start with this conversation, Justin, I really believe that this is who UVA is. And what I mean by that is not necessarily a, a team that's going to lose to the Syracuses of the world, okay? But what I mean by that is a team that you're just not really sure, night in and night out, precisely what you're going to get. You're like 75% sure you're going to get X, right? you got a pretty good feeling that what it's going to look like. But then there's just a little bit too much on the edges, right? In the past, I feel like with the Brogdon team last year and, and maybe even the year before that, like you just that, that, that amount on the side was just really small. Right. So maybe maybe you were about 95 percent sure what you were going to get. And it doesn't sound like 75 and 95 are that big a difference. Right. But I feel like Virginia has nights like or days like they had Saturday up in Syracuse. Right. Where like for a little while, they're really strong. And then out of nowhere, you're just like, what are you doing? And things just get out of whack, and, you're, and there's no real rhyme or reason. It might be something the defense is doing differently for them. It might be something the, their offense isn't doing as well. It might be vice versa. Their defense isn't doing as well, or, or the opposing offense is doing a little bit better. And, like, it just kind of gets away from them, and they never seem to really be able to put it together. And then they have halves like they had in the first half against Louisville, where it's like they're playing reasonably well. They're not playing horribly but they're also not playing very well, and the other team is doing just enough to either stay ahead or stay close. And then they have a half like the second half where they didn't change. Like, there wasn't a demonstrative difference, right, between what Virginia did in the first and second half. The only thing in the second half, they cleaned up some of the turnovers. Louisville missed a lot of shots. The defense was a little bit better, a little sharper, and I thought that Virginia was just more aggressive and more decisive with the ball. Little bitty tweak like that, and they're a completely different team. And so I kind of feel like, in a way... Virginia fans are going to have to just be okay with the fact that they're just not going to have the certainty going into games maybe that they had in the last couple years. And so what that means is 
you play a really good team, you you, you expect Virginia to, to give a really good effort, and, and in a, in a game like against Louisville, you're like, oh well, Virginia always beats Louisville. Well, and that also means that like they're going to play Clemson kind of tight, and maybe Pete, Pitt, Pitt beats them if they hit a bunch of threes, and maybe you know you go into Castle on Sunday night in the dark, and you know maybe maybe Tech has a lot more success because they hit they hit more shots. There, it's not even just that their margin of error is so small. I think honestly, it's that their their ceiling and their floor. There's just a lot more space between those things as opposed to in the past where the floor was higher, but maybe the ceiling wasn't quite where where you thought it was. What do you think? What, how would you kind of characterize this team um, as we're you know well into February at this point? What do you what do, you, do what do you think? Do you feel like? I'm on to something here, or 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 am I still or am I still hazy from being sick? Yeah, I think you're definitely on to something. I mean, one of the criticisms, I guess you could say, of the style of basketball the UVA plays is that every possession is even more important and critical um, on both ends of the floor, and that that means the same for their opponents as well. I mean, a team like Syracuse, they went, they got really hot for what, what was it like seven, eight minutes. Um, and then after that, they kind of just coasted. They didn't really stay hot, I didn't feel like. But because the number of possessions is so low, that rally ended up being enough. I mean, if they do that against Carolina, there's a good chance Carolina kind of plays their way out of it because there's so many possessions left. Um, and I think that this team is just not quite on the same. They're not in that defensive like echelon that they were in with the Brogdon team last year and the Atkins team the year before that and Anderson and before that with Akeel. Um they don't have that we're gonna shut you down for six straight possessions caliber defense. Um they can do it from time to time, but it's not gonna happen every game and you can't count on it in the same way. So I think you're right that it kind of feels like these stretches happen where they look kind of lost at times. Um and it's magnified because there's fewer possessions. So it just makes it even more of a big deal. Um, on Monday night, I knew that they weren't going to lose, even when they fell behind, because I knew that Louisville couldn't sustain what they were doing on offense. Um, and UVA came out really well at the beginning of the second half. And honestly, after the game, the players kind of credited that to Tony just firing them up and reminding them of what they needed to do to win the game. So I think that sometimes it's as simple as that. Um, you know, get back to your principles. And I think that's what they were able to do on Monday. But I agree with you that there is, this is the type of team that could make a deep run or they could lose in the second round. Exactly. That's exactly right. Right. Like you get the feeling that this team could be, could, could totally go to a final four. Like you can look at it and say when they're playing really well, when Wilkins is super energized and he's rebounding well, and Devin Hall's making shots, and 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 London Perantis is not only making shots but getting to the lane, and they're getting contributions from their young kids, and they're not turning the ball over, and they're playing you know well defensively, you can see this team being very very good. Because let's be honest, like across college basketball, there is no like. I don't want to say Kentucky, but there's no like Kentucky. You know what I mean? Like even Kentucky's not like they're good and they're very talented, but there's just a whole bunch of teams with a lot of dudes, and and that's not necessarily a bad thing if you enjoy you know watching somewhat unpredictable basketball. But there are not teams out there that blow you away. That's why Virginia, when you look at Ken Palm's rankings, they're number two in the country, right? And 
and and why? Because they've played a strong schedule, but not because they've blown the doors off. They've just looked good in most most of the time. They've not just not looked great. And I think that's the standard maybe by which folks have kind of become accustomed to judging UVA. And like right now, like in a game like that one against Louisville, like there were just there was that stretch in the first half where literally Wilkins dove for a loose ball and he tried to kick it out from the floor and Donovan Mitchell stole it and went down and got a layup. And it looked like from that point, for maybe like six minutes, Virginia's everything was discombobulated. Why? Who knows? Like, you can't, you, there's no one thing you can point to. It's not like, oh, Patino started doing X, or oh, Virginia had this personnel in. It, it happens across rotations. Uh, it happens across different lineups. It's like, a, it's like they all get the stomach bug for a minute. And, like, everybody's just not really sure what they're supposed to do. And the reason I think it stands out so much is because we're used to watching a group at Virginia defensively, right, that plays like a phalanx, right, where everybody knows where you're supposed to be and everybody's comfortable with it. And even when you make some changes and some substitutions, you don't see these um, deficits of comfort kind of show up, right? And so this group is not one like that where they, they're all on the same page. And this group is not one that tends to get its energy from its defense. It gets its energy from its offense. So when they're struggling like they were against Syracuse offensively, when they're like, I don't know, petrified to dribble the ball for some reason and they're not and they can't get in the flow of their offense and nothing feels right. They're like a they're like a golfer with the yips. And so defensively it shows up, right? Dudes are able to drive to the lane with a reckless abandon. And and it doesn't matter, you know, how many timeouts you call, it doesn't matter what you make changes. It's just like the thing just doesn't seem to work right. And they're just gonna be those nights for Virginia where the things don't seem to work right. The question that they have to the 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 the, the hurdle they have to get over is how they can make that that thing is a is a is an is an under such and such to a, to an under such and such timeout. So it's just a segment of a game and not a half or God forbid an entire game. And that's the thing is it like have you seen? Can you say that you've seen Virginia play a full game yet? Because I don't think I have. I think I've seen them play a good half here and there. I think I've seen them play an exceptional you know couple of segments, um, maybe even close to a half. But I've not seen them put together a full game yet. And that is the potential that I think you have to think, that you have to hope if you're a fan, that like, okay, this is what they're building up to. I just don't know if this season realistically they're going to build up to that. What I think they're going to have to do is they're going to have to figure out a way to be the best version of themselves they can be at the time that they're playing games. So like you said, I could totally see them losing early, and I can totally see them going late, and who knows you know, like what it's going to be in the middle. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I mean, I think the closest, honestly... I think the best game they played this year was the Villanova game. And yeah, I would agree with that. Except for that little they bit just of had that a little bit run, of a stretch. Yeah. That one run that, that Villanova made. And I would and I would agree because that first and, half and that I part they of that's strong. Villanova too. Yeah. And, and Go ahead, and, I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say, and too, like if you think about like who Villanova is, like they have pieces that are kind of built um in a way to sustain what Virginia normally like like grinds out of you like basically what they did a little bit the other night they just ground they just they just put the grind on them and leaned on them and leaned on them until they fell right i mean they were essentially uh, a heavyweight fighter waiting for you to, to to fall and and they just kept plugging and that's you know look at some like i said in the in the rewatch thread like i swear there were times Pino, patino put people on the floor he had no idea who they were like some of those dudes are not going to see time I sure didn't know. Who I they mean, were. seriously, like when they put those guys in the game, I was glad I still had the stat thing up because I was like, "Who is this dude?" But like, 
um, there were some moments in that game, and I want to transition a little bit to talk about Mommy Diakite. I, I don't want to go quite hyperbolic enough to say, like, oh, he's a secret to the whole thing. I do think that when Mamadi is playing well, when he's not lost on either side of the floor, um, Virginia's an entirely different team. Like, when he's cover- when he and Wilkins, especially if they're out there together, and he's covering space and Wilkins is doing all the little things, and you can see, like, the, the, the impact he's having on the game. Like, when Syracuse was trying to go to the line, just trying to put their head down and just get to the, to the line, what Virginia didn't have was a keel or Darion to play the middle of that zone. Or, excuse me, play, play in the middle of that area, not zone, because that, that'll give people the wrong connotation. And so they couldn't clean it up. And so what Mamadi brings is a springiness and obviously an athleticism, but at least it's a threat, and it's something that they can do something with. And I never get the sense when, I mean, even when Jack Salt's in the game, you just don't get that same feeling. Like teams are not, I don't want to say teams are cowering or anything uh, to, to Mamadi, but you can definitely see where the blocks come from. And, like, that's why they had that block party the other night. I mean, dudes, you know, the ball just gets swatted every which way. But I, I really believe that when Mamadi's playing well, he does, he, he's able to kind of hit a shot away from the rim every once in a while. That gives you an extra element along with, with Wilkins. He's a nice compliment to Wilkins because Wilkins is a guy who plays below the rim but he plays everywhere, and you need a guy like Diakite to play a little bit above the rim who can, who can get up um, and at least alter some shots. Um, and so I don't – I would like to see, I think, for Virginia's um, – for it to reach its ceiling, right? I think you got to play him more. Even you have to kind of live with his mistakes. Um, and also, I wonder if for a kid like him who hasn't played a lot of basketball, if when he makes mistakes, be it because he's lost or be it because he fouls or whatever – Taking him out of the game sometimes I feel like can be a little detrimental because confidence-wise, I think that's part of one of the things he's probably struggled with a lot this season has been not only just trying to find a comfort level on the court but also trying to get himself to a place where he's confident in what he's doing and he not just understands but can do it um, and just not second-guess himself. And so I wonder if if, if much in the way Virginia playing Ty Jerome – uh, was a kind of a down payment for him. I wonder if they're not in the same situation for Diakite. What would you do if 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 you were telling? What how would you kind of handle uh, Diakite right now? I think it depends on the matchup. Um, against Syracuse, I would have probably played him more, just because I think he was a good fit for what they're doing. I think the thing that people are forgetting is, like, he's still seen. I think by a lot of fans and others as this kind of defensive stopper guy that's going to get on the boards, block some shots. But his offensive game is really far, like advanced for where he is in his career. Um, I mean, he let's be honest, he can do some stuff on the hood that like, Jack Salt will never be able to do, um, and vice versa, I guess. But, I mean, yeah, I think I kind of wish they would have played him a little bit more earlier, and then maybe he would have been a little bit more ready for this kind of competition. Uh, and I understand what you're saying. It's like you you want to let somebody play through their mistakes, especially like you don't want them to the, – the worst thing you can do on a basketball court, I think, is think too much. You want to be – like the reason that Tony's guys are good at the defense that they play is because they know it. Like they could pl- they could run it in their sleep. They don't have to think about where to go. Um, the more you start to think, the more hesitant you are, the slower you are to react, and the more likely you are to commit a foul – or just not pick up on an assignment quick enough to stop it. So I think, yeah, I think he'll work his way through that. But, I mean, like I said, I think it just depends on the matchup, the team you're playing, as to how big of a role he can have. 
Um, but at the same time, I mean, he's going to have to be a big part of this team next year and in the future. So um, any experience he can gain from from this season, the rest of the way will be huge going forward, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then I thought it was interesting in, in rewatching the game from the other night. Um, did Jared Reuter and did Kyle Guy and Jared Reuter play in the second half? I, I don't. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what to make of that um, specifically. Like I said, I, I don't remember if they did or not. But I do think Virginia is dangerously close to to sort of. I don't want to say trimming the rotation, but definitely getting themselves in a spot where guys are going to get minutes based specifically on the matchups and. Kyle Guy and and Reuter seem to be both in that in that boat. I mean, I it was probably the harshest I've been about Jared. And listen, I think that his back to the basket offensive game in certain matchups is absolutely crucial because he's the only guy that you feel like you can pump the ball into um, and have a post repost situation or have a one where you can pass it in and then kick it out. The problem, of course, with Jared, I think, has been one he's so set on shooting. A lot of times he he gets himself sped up and and he doesn't repost. Um, you know, kick out to to basically get a better look or 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 to or to make the defense move. Basically, he catches and the defense just settles, and guys are able to attack the glass better that way. So basically, he has to make every shot he takes inside uh, inside the interior. But the other thing too with him is he just seems very like out of sorts defensively. Um, there were a handful of 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 situations where he just like left. The guy left the the screen completely and just faded back and 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 I think King ended up t- you know at least hit one deep shot might have even been a three on it and another, I think he hit another one too oh no he he missed another one that was kind of a similar situation and I feel like that's just such a a huge no no you know like you can be marginal um, you know in some ways but you cannot be leaving dudes wide open for shots uh, and that's something I think that. You know, it makes sense for Tony to trim things a little bit for guys to get more regular burn. Um, you know, you would like if Virginia had a big man who you could throw, you, you you could throw any pass to, and they'd be able to catch it. But that's just not who they're going to be this year. They're just not going to be a team with with bigs around the rim who are cleaning everything up and and making everything. Um, and I wonder how many minutes Reuter's going to get going forward. And I can't I can't argue. That he should get more now, guys. Is an interesting situation because I feel like, you know, you were talking about you don't want to have guys on a basketball court thinking. I feel like sometimes he thinks a little too much. He's a little bit. It's almost like he's going against his instinct at times. And, and this is something I feel like Ty Jerome is going to have to get down to because while his aggressiveness the last few games has been really important, I thought he was a little bit too aggressive Monday night. And it's almost like there's a knob and you kind of have to keep fiddling with it so it you know it it, it gets where you want to be. I feel like he's kind of in a similar boat. With Guy, I feel like there are times that he's not going when he should, and so what ends up happening is he puts himself in a bad spot because the right play was to take a shot, and maybe he's trying his best not to you know, shoot himself out of playing time or shoot himself, uh, shoot the team out of, a bad, uh, out of a good look. And so I kind of feel like in his case, sometimes you'd be better off to just let it go and be who you are. Uh, and and maybe he's thinking a little bit too much, but I could also see because of the the way Virginia's other guards have played and are playing, uh, I could see him playing a little bit less. Um, but I do think that both of those guys are going to get called on. I don't think that cliche is just cliche. I think it's true. At some point, you're going to get your, your number is going to come up. Um, what are some of your kind of let's call them concerns uh, with with guys going forward? 
Uh, where do you feel like Virginia is weak right now uh, in terms of, uh, of of building itself for the for the postseason run ahead? Where, where do you, where, where are some of your concerns right now for the Cavaliers? Weakness, um, interior scoring, I guess. Right. You know, I think they rely on the guards to get in the paint, um, and Devin has been great at that. Um, and then, honestly, I think when London wants to, he can do it. Um, he saw in that game the other day that, I mean, after they reached a certain point, I think something snapped in him and he was like, I got to wake up. And he kind of just started getting to the basket. Um, and Thompson can as well. Uh, and, and Shayok, but Shayok, like you, you said, uh, in your rewatch, you know, they're kind of, his space is limited now. Um, I think that teams have kind of figured out what kind of beats he likes to hit on the offensive end of the floor and have kind of tried to make him do things where he's uncomfortable. So I think, I mean, Isaiah obviously can score around the rim, but it feels like a lot of his points around the rim are putbacks. Um, and Jack, I mean, he's really usually only going to score if he has a wide-open layup or dunk. Um, you saw in that Syracuse game, when teams can make him uncomfortable, he's not an asset to you on the offensive end of the floor at all. Um, and that's where you might want to see somebody like Mamadi play a little bit more. But, yeah, I mean, I think – if a team can, like if UVA had to play against the pack line, um, they'd have to just shoot from the outside to win. And I feel like, honestly, well, yeah, honestly, you kind of, like that might, that's that, that's going to be the recipe anyway, I think, with this team. Like, they're just going to have to make shots. Yeah, I mean, that's my thing too, is that, <laughs> the, the, what's the old saying, you know, winning cures all sins or whatever, Um I, I probably bought, butchered that. Sorry about eh, that. Whatever. Whatever it is. Fine. But you know, my, my general point is is that generally when you're winning, it covers up all of your issues. Virginia is like when they make shots, it covers up everything. But the thing that I, I've noticed lately is that when you take out Mary, when you get when you take away Mary O'Shea's space, right, and he's not able to 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 catch, hold, and get you that little shimmy or that little one dribble pull up. When you take that away, and you're asking Virginia's offense to kind of go out there. Um, and, and, and look, teams are going to play that three, two little zone that will, even if it's, even if it turns into like a more of a matchup zone, they're going to play that because one is it takes away Virginia's whole offensive flow and it makes them into a team that they're not comfortable being. Um, it takes away shock space. It takes away the curl. It takes away the flare. Virginia's going to have to figure out ways to generate. And a lot of that's going to have to be, like you said, guards. I, I agree. I think one of the deficiencies they have is they don't have an interior post presence. And they don't even have really an interior post offense in general. So like Reuter, when he's in the game, you know, he'll you can dump it into him. But like when's the last time you saw them give a touch down low to Mamadi or to, to Isaiah? Like those guys get touches away from the basket, which is probably what the defense would rather have, right? They want they want you shooting the the, the fifteen footer. They don't want you shooting the bunny. But and that's kind of what I meant with Isaiah is like it feels like if he gets a look, it's like a from the free throw line extended, right. and, and and he can and he can make that, but that's probably problematic, right? Is those are not necessarily high percentage shots, and what we saw at Syracuse is like they're not very good at like finishing around the rim either. Like for guys who are you know Jackson's a big dude, I mean he's a big strong dude, and like he seems to get the ball stolen from him. I don't know if it's because he's never really sure if he can do things with both hands or he, the ball needs to be in one, but like he he never it, it's it just seems like too often the you know a, a a smaller guy is blocking his shot from the side, which is one of those things like if you're if you have both hands on the basketball that you know theoretically shouldn't happen. So I kind of feel like Virginia's interior issues 
can sometimes be such a clear um, Achilles heel like they were Saturday against the Orange, and then at the same time you can see him like last uh, on Monday night when they're they're you know Mahmoud is a is a really hard kind of cover, and they covered him easily, right? Uh, the Johnson kids a a tough cover. The Spalding kids really athletic. The only problem they had, the only guy they had problem with was the the King kid, and that was because you know he was kind of playing a little bit out of his uh, of, maybe out of his realm a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I I don't think he's just really. I think he's just good. He's like, good. He just he's got just talent. Not, yeah, he's just not quite. He he doesn't have the full uh the full menu yet. He's just tapping into it. But, he's just really good at slashing, and getting to the rim, and he and he was hitting some pull up jays, and that's that's tough with a guy of his length. Um, yeah, he, that's the big thing with him. I think honestly, is he was just too big. He's just like, too long, and yeah. and, and he, I noticed too, like on some of the, a couple of his like jumpers, he actually doesn't jump all the way. He kind of stops himself, and you can tell that's probably a kid who grew really quick because he's yeah. used to being able to shoot from a specific height, and so now he can jump a whole lot higher, and he doesn't jump as hard because he's trying to hit. But anyway, back back to the the the, the issue at hand. Like so, uh, for Virginia's interior guys to be better, really, what they have to do is. They have to one their their hands they gotta they gotta be better with the ball, rebounds. Uh, you know when they do get shots, get fouled and not get blocked. Um, the up and under stuff has got to go. Like I'm so I'm so at that point with with if you're a big man if you're above like six five do not up and under. Okay, no, there's no need to you know you're not Michael Jordan in the lane against the Lakers. Stop it. You don't need to switch. You don't need to switch hands. You don't need to, you know, go up strong. If you're going to get fouled, get fouled. And I feel like, honestly, if if their bigs would do that, that would take care of maybe seventy percent of their free throw woes, right? They, they don't get to the line enough, or you know, teams are shooting so many free throws against them, whatever, whatever. I feel like if the bigs would just go up strong and stop trying to avoid contact, and because they're not good finishers, right? Play to potentially your strength. Um, and my other thing with the with the with the bigs and why I think this is you know important is because when Devin Hall's not on the floor, Virginia's re- is just not a very it's not a very sound rebounding team. I mean, look, Isaiah Wilkins is busting his is busting his butt. Don't get me wrong, but like as a team, right? And so you shouldn't have to have a specific guard in there to help rebound. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't just feel right. So Virginia has to be better on the glass. In these games, and a lot of it, honestly, is because Devin Hall is such a hell of a rebounder. Like I remember, what game was it? Isaiah Wilkins was talking about him and how well he rebounds. But anyway, I, I just think that in terms of the bigs, that you 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 have what you have. I think the bigs can do some some help for themselves by you know being better with the ball, you know, not turning it over, um, not being panicked. I think that's another thing you see with them is like they catch the ball and their heads are on a swivel a little bit. Like you know, you got to at some level just play like don't you, you got to just let it be um but i really think that their guards are good enough their guards are absolutely good enough uh and versatile enough to win them an, uh, a championship I, I firmly believe that i mean i think perantis is when he's dialed in and he's not trying to defer he's almost he reminds me a lot of lebron like lebron how these games are like he's not sure if he's supposed to go or if he's supposed to pass perantis gets himself in that spot sometimes he's not really sure if he's supposed to go or he's supposed to be getting other guys to go and he's he's caught somewhere in the middle and he's not doing either one right um but i do think their guards are good enough um and versatile enough to to win him a title they just don't they just don't have one guy who can just put his head down and go get you a bucket and that might be the detri- the the ultimate detriment for this team is that they just don't have you know that was one thing Malcolm Brogdon could do you could iso 
let Malcolm Brogdon go get your bucket. Now you ISO, you 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 let Perantes go take you know take a shot. That's a little bit different. Um, but he's not big enough to kind of like automatically be able to right, exactly. like Brogdon was so strong. Like he could just get in the rim, get to yep. the. I mean, if he's being guarded by Marcus Page, he's just gonna out physical him yep. to the rim. And he's and he's either like, gonna make the shot, or he's gonna get to the rim, or he's gonna do. He's gonna make the shot and get to the to the free throw line. And and, and he's a ninety something percent right, free throw exactly. shooter. Exactly. I, I feel like for Virginia, its biggest strength right now is that group of guards, and I think Devin Hall has had. I mean, if people don't appreciate what Dev has done this year, he has been. The, I mean, like, listen, there have been games where other guys have scored more points and have better stats, but, I mean, the way he he does all of this stuff, like, he stuffs the stat sheet uh, to, 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 to bring up another cliche, but it's so true. He does such a great job, I think, of, of just being, of doing so much. And I, I love the fact that, like, he'll have a turnover in 34 minutes, and people are like, oh, man, he's got to stop turning the ball over. And you're like, really? Like, Come on, man. He's got five assists, eight rebounds, 13 points, and you're worried about his one turnover. He's been really good. Isaiah Wilkins has been kind of the, the soul of this team. Um, so I feel like they got a lot of good pieces. A lot of things fit together well. I'm really interested to see not just what they do Saturday, excuse me, Sunday night in, um, in Castle, but also two coming up in the dark, yeah, in the dark under the big under the under the big fan, which is technically called the big ass fan. That's the name of the company. Um, so don't email me. Um, but so so they got to go. They get Duke at home next week, uh, a week from from tonight, and then they go to Carolina on Saturday before they come back for Miami on Monday. Those three games are going to be incredibly interesting. I'm, I, Greg Burton asked me on on nine fifty yesterday in Richmond. Um, he went through the whole ACC and was like, you know, who do you think is going to go to the tournament? You know, whatever, whatever. And there are a handful of these teams that I'm just like, I feel like that's going to be a tournament team by the end of the season. And I really, I, I don't know what to make of the stretch run um, across the league, but especially for UVA. Where do you feel? Where do you feel like the, the? Where do you feel like this thing is going for them? Do you feel like they're going to push for you know one or two seed uh, in the tournament, ACC tournament? Um, how do you feel about the Cavaliers as the as the the kind of stretch run uh, presents itself now, middle of uh, February on? Sure. So Ken Palm has UVA finishing, and sorry for sorry Ken for uh, spoiling your subscription based information, um, but he has them at thirteen and five, uh, and then he also has North Carolina at thirteen and five, Florida State at thirteen and five. Um, I could see a scenario where that happens. I could also see a scenario where UVA ends up 12 and six. Um, right now they have three league losses, any less than five. If they lose one game or fewer down the stretch of this, that's an incredible run. Like they're looking at like a two seed in the NCAA tournament. If they do that, I think, um, and probably a first place finish in the league, but I don't necessarily see that happen. Um, I think they'll get up. I think they'll end up as a top four team. Um, I think the top four will shake out to be something in some order. North Carolina, UVA, Florida State, Duke, um, maybe Louisville, depending on if Rick Patino wants to talk to <laughs> or about his big men or anything anymore. Right, right. Um, uh, but, I mean, I think those four or five teams are kind of at the top. And actually, Syracuse, I think, is a team to watch going forward because they're eight and four in the league right now. Seriously, Syracuse um, could make some noise. That'd be interesting. They're dang- I mean, that was the thing that 
and this actually could be an interesting subject we could we could go on about for a long time but the the vitriol on the twitter on saturday after uva lost to syracuse people were freaking out people were you know trying to second guess the coaches and then second guess the people second guessing the coaches and honestly i don't think it's that big of a deal because syracuse is pretty good like they were bad in the non-conference but if you've been watching them over the past month especially at home they're they're good i mean they, they beat florida state pretty soundly at home um i mean they're not a bad team they have good players they were a top 25 team in the preseason I'm not exactly sure what happened to them between then and december 31st but I think they're they're what we kind of thought they would be at the beginning of the year. So I don't really feel like that's a bad loss. I mean, the fact that they were up 12, I know that that gives people heartburn. But at the end of the day, I mean, if it was Notre Dame and not Syracuse, people probably wouldn't say much about it. Um, I think UVL finished top four, and I think that's big because, honestly, this year, and I don't want to keep going on this, but this year feels to me like – a year where getting that number one seed really matters. And in in previous years, I don't think it did. But this year, if you look at the teams, the way the league breaks down, I think there's seven upper echelon teams. UVA, UNC, Duke, Florida State, Louisville, Notre Dame, and Syracuse. Those are the teams I wouldn't want to play. Then you have two teams that I think are dangerous, Miami, Virginia Tech, And then after that, I think there's a drop-off to the rest. Clemson, Wake Forest, so on and so forth. And Wake can be dangerous, but they haven't really beaten anybody. Um, Same with NC State. They have talented players, but they lose to everybody. Um, So I think if you're that one seed, you're looking at like you're playing like the Miami-Virginia Tech winner in, in the first round or in your first game, probably, something like that. So, I mean, I would take my chances with that instead of being the two seed and having to play Notre Dame in the first round or or in your first game I mean sorry quarterfinals or um Syracuse or Louisville yeah I think there's a drop off between seven and eight nine so I think if they could get the one seed that would be huge um I think it's going to be easier said than done though because they have Carolina twice Duke um tough tough road tests you know at Virginia Tech uh places like that you know stuff like that so I think it'll be tough but um Top four definitely in play. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, I look at Virginia in the schedule, and I mean, like, look, I'm not sure. Duke is still an enigma to me. Carolina isn't going to be an interesting matchup. Miami, I think, can be tough because they're somewhat multiple, and I think they've got Jaquan Newton's a very good guard. NC State is a dumpster fire and yet very talented. Carolina you get again, and then Pittsburgh, I just cannot see them doing the same thing in Charlottesville that they did um, at the uh, Peterson Event Center. I I feel I feel like you. Yeah, I think Virginia is going to be a top four team in the league, and probably in the top two or three. I mean, maybe I could see them finishing fourth, but it it would have some some dominoes would have to fall. Uh, I honestly think they'll go five and two down the stretch. Um, I don't. I mean, I'm not going to pick game by game right now, but you look at the schedule. I think there's probably two losses left, and that wouldn't be bad at all. I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like they're going to lose one of those Carolina games. Yeah. Yeah. And then one Carolina, you beat Duke at home and then you drop one, let's say Sunday to tech or, you know, at NC state or something like that's not bad. So I kind of feel like, um, I don't want to say like a certain seed or anything like that in the NCAAs, 
But this is definitely one of those years where anything could happen in the tournament, the the big tournament. And I, I mean, you want to be in a in a position. You, you, on the one hand, you're like, all right, well, the higher your seed, the better your position is, right? So you want to be, you know, I mean, like you're, you know, there is no Raleigh, you know, there's no, you know what I'm saying? Like you're going to play in Greenville probably if you, you know, you're a top seed and like. Yeah, Greenville versus Buffalo, it doesn't really matter. I mean, in the big scheme of things like that's, you know, I mean, the, the bigger scale, the bigger thing is uh, being able to play is, is matchups and you're just never going to know, like, I mean, look, I'm not saying that Virginia doesn't have, um, hasn't had a um, advantage in the in the recent years playing closer to home. But I'm just saying that, like right now, like it's all about matchups, and like you don't know who they're going to throw in your bracket, and how you fit with the fit against those teams. Um, you know, you you could it, the whole you know the whole weirdness that like Syracuse can beat Virginia, but Virginia but Louisville can't beat Virginia. It's it's weird, right? Like that's just the way sometimes teams match up. And so, like, I look at this stretch and I think about Virginia going forward, and I think like um, it feels like a year where there's going to be a lot of unpredictability, um, <laughs> which is both a gift and a curse when you run a website that covers GVA sports. Um, but the thing that I you mentioned earlier, you were talking about like the reaction Saturday to the loss. Do you remember earlier in the season before Austin Nichols got booted off the team, right? And people were like, "Oh, they're going to lose some games, and it's going to be okay." Like, where are those people at when they lose the game and it's going to be, you know what I mean? Like, you're right. Like, in the big scheme of things, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a loss, they, 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 they sh- a game they shouldn't have lost, and yet it's really not that big a deal. Like, if it cost them, uh, uh, you know, if that's the game that ends up costing them uh, the first round by, okay, fine. You know, then feel, feel free to be upset. But I just felt like, yeah, this is a game that sucks. And I get the, fi- the fact that you got, like, you got you got a, a twelve point lead or double digit lead, whatever that you lose in the second half again to to Syracuse, and you're like, okay, well, why does this keep happening? Well, part of it is because this team this season, the one of the reasons where you, you can see teams come back on them is because when their offense dries up, their defense dries up, and they're just not as good and not as consistent for as long defensively, and so the offense when they're not putting points up, I mean, think about that Clemson game. Man, they were giving up. They were like a sieve, man. They were giving up points left and right. Why did they win that game? Because dudes just kept responding, and like that's the like that kind of game. That's what they're gonna have to have to 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 go deep in the tournament. Um, and and I know that for Virginia fans, especially folks on the board, you know, we're already you know folks are already talking about next year and the year after, and that that's the nature of conversation on message boards. You don't spend every minute, you know, breaking down. Um, you know the the under four under eight to the under four the first day. No, you talk about you know the future and stuff that you know that has you know more uncertainty and 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 you start you know filling in some some blanks. And so I kind of feel like it's natural for people to talk about next year, and that's just the nature of Virginia fans. But I do think that this team is a transitional one in a lot of ways. I don't mean to sound like Bronco Mendenhall, but like that's kind of what it is. Um, and so anything that they get this year is kind of gravy in a lot of ways. Like it's just it, it, it's just going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Certainly for London Brontis, is he at this point the winningest player, or has he still got like two more wins that they got to pick up or something? He's got to be close, if not. But yeah, we'll he's, see. He's 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 right there against it. But I kind of feel like for this Virginia team to to improve, the two things that I, to me at least they have to they have to do is one they got to be better around the rim, and then two they've got to be better. Uh, at making better decisions, like you were talking about earlier, that when you play a style like Virginia plays, you're just not you're you're gonna have it puts so much pressure on you to make shots. Well, 
you can't give away possessions. And like, if you think about the Syracuse game, you think about basically all of their losses this season have come primarily because they gave away too many opportunities. And defensively, they're just not they're not at a place where they can wipe those away because they're they're so epic and 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 teams are struggling to score forty on them. Um, so I'm, I'm honestly, looking... I think that the reason that people freak out about the losses is because that season two years ago conditioned everybody to think it that is. that was exactly what success no, exactly like. right. It's like, oh, you're never supposed to lose. It's like when I break these games down for the rewatch, I find myself trying to explain every single time that the other team scored, and I'm like, dude, it's basketball. You're not, you're never gonna blank somebody. You know what I mean? But like, that's the. It's like if somebody scores, there has to be a reason for it, and that's not always the case. Like sometimes, like dude, just good. Like dude, just hit a shot. They're like, on that's scholarship okay. too, right? Yeah, the whole point extra line. Um, like, you know, like they just made a shot, like that's okay. You know, now if they made, you know, 14 of them in a row and you didn't score, okay, now you got a problem. But like, uh, yeah, there is a, there's a certain anxiety that comes with giving up points. There's an anxiety that comes with losing, especially if, if they have a lead in the second half, because yeah, the old mantra that, that became a thing was like, Oh, uh, you know, a double digit lead against Virginia feels like a, you know, a 20 point lead. Well, in some ways, Maybe it did, but that's just not who they are right now. Now, that's not to say they can't be that again, and they might well be, you know, with as much length as they're going to have, and you've got some guys who have a chance to be in the program a little longer, be a little more physical on the wing. Um, but this is still a really good team, and they're going to be fun to watch. Um, and the, I'm like you. I could totally see him making a deep run, or I could see him totally losing early, um, which is uh, bad for business, but it, it's going to be fun, maybe, uh, somehow. Um so I, you know, I just think that we we look at these these two games, and they're you know, if you think about it, they played a really bad game in the middle, right? Good first half, bad second half, bad first half, good for second half. Played a really bad game in the middle, and yet came out um, with a, a one and one on the on the record book. So Sunday in, in Blacksburg, I definitely expect Virginia Tech to give Virginia a whole lot better game. Um, they're not going to shoot that poorly again. I kind of feel like a lot of this, you know, put your head down and go get it. It was like basically made for Seth Allen and Justin Robinson. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how, how, how that goes. And, and it'll be like, what, the best crowd Castle's had all season? Um, wait. Yeah, maybe it was the Duke game. Yeah, I was but... going to say the Duke game. But that was back when Duke was still lost in the weeds, um, stumbling around in the dark. Um, but, yeah, I definitely expect that to be a, a much better game. And then, obviously, next week against Duke and Carolina will be – a lot of fun to watch uh, as well. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty good place to put a pin in it um, for a two man podcast. We we knocked out that forty some minutes pretty pretty strong. Anything uh, anything on your plate for the good of the order before we wrap up? No, not really. Cool. I'm glad to hear you're feeling a little better. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And like I said, I want to thank you for for going out there the other night and helping me out. And I want to thank everybody out there for pay, their patience. Um, the there was another kid sick at daycare today, so if I catch it again, um, yeah, let's hope not. Uh, but yeah, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to listen to the podcast. One quick note, if you listen to the podcast on a mobile device or an iPad via Safari, and then it kind of goes quiet on you, uh, go to the app store and search for a podcast app, um, on your iPhone, um, the, there's a built-in podcast app. You can just search Cast Corner podcast. Uh, they're free, um, on iTunes. So you can search them and, and download them and listen to them whenever you want. If you want a third party one, I, I use one called overcast, which is really good. 
Um, so you can just search Cast Corner Podcast, and then you can listen to them, and you don't have to worry about the whole screen darkening thing. Uh, I've gotten some questions about that over the last few weeks. So give give uh, if you if you if you enjoy the podcast, feel free to download a, a podcast player, uh, and that makes things a lot uh, a lot easier. But again, thanks everybody out there for for giving us a listen, and want to thank uh, Justin for being on the show. Um, so for Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.